You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hark the herald angels sing. Hey, Go wait up. a minute. What? Who's Harold? Harold. Yeah, who is Harold? Harold's <laughs> We've been angels. We've this all our lives. I always wondered that as a kid. Well, this famous carol today, we're going to look at this wonderful Christmas morning and talk about the newborn king today on, on More Than, Than Ink. Well, Merry Christmas to Merry, you all. Merry, Merry Christmas. This episode is airing right on Christmas Day. And... Uh, and by the way, I'd be curious if you're listening to this right now on Christmas Day, could you could you drop us a note? Go to morethaninc.org. Oh, that's and, a good uh, idea. And just tell us, you know, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> we decided to to uh, take a detour around Exodus just for the day because it is Christmas Day. This is you know December 25th, and to to look uh, look at one of our favorite Christmas carols, "Hark the Herald Angels Sing," and look at the biblical content. And and like I had said last week. This in my book, I mean in my book, has the most theology packed in the fewest number of lines of any carol that we sing, I think. And so we're going to see it's if that's right true. Up there. <laughs> yeah. It's right up there. We didn't say, though, that we are here at our dining room table like we always are. We are, that's and true. And we are enjoying a quiet morning, a yes. contemplative morning. I think the older that yes. I get, the more contemplative and quiet I have become toward Christmas as the yeah, yeah. as the significance of God entering humanity yeah, has penetrated me more deeply in recent years. Yeah. Um, and because all of our kids have grown up and left home. Yeah, yeah. So we tend to have fairly exactly. quiet holidays. Exactly. And that that's just fine with us. <laughs> That's it's just really good. fine with us. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, let's take a look at uh, "Hark the Herald Angels Sing." We'll take a look at these words. By the way, it's not a it's it's not a an accident that there's so much theology packed in this. It's written by Charles Wesley. Yeah, you did a little reading, and about uh, that. I went back to remind myself. I remember he was uh, he's the younger brother of John Wesley, and uh, uh, the two Wesley brothers did a lot together in the early 18th century. In fact. Uh, the life of Charles Wesley, who wrote this song, you know, his his adult life is around the time of our the Revolutionary War. You know, so he uh, he died about ten years after the Revolutionary War. But he uh, he was in England, and uh, he and his brother uh, had uh, profound conversion experiences coming to the Lord in their early twenties, and uh, and as a result, ended up traveling much of England, uh, talking evangelically about who Jesus is, and uh, and so uh, John Wesley is the one who started the Methodist movement uh, actually Methodism was a criticism that's from right a lot of people that's looked right. at him because they says you guys are just you're just too disciplined when it comes to reading the word and and, and living this life well disciplined and structured there was behaviors yeah. that they expected and and imposed upon yeah. people who followed their way of of worship, yeah, and they saw following Jesus as uh, the word we use today as very intentional. Right, it's not something that just kind of fluffs around the edges; it's at the core. So that that was John and Charles Wesley, and Charles Wesley went on uh, to write over six thousand 
hymns. <laughs> Most of which I was raised on because I right, grew up right. in a at Wesley Methodist Church. <laughs> Wesley, so, there is that name. Uh, yeah. So a lot of the the Wesley Brothers hymns were things that I cut my teeth on as yeah. a as a child. Although I didn't know God in those days, I was still singing all that theology. Yeah, lots of theology, deep theology. So so we come to Hark the Herald Angels Sing and. Uh, uh, and we see that theology poke out. This is the result of the life of a man who actually he he converted to the Lord just ten years before he wrote this. So uh, as a middle-aged man, he just just bubbled out of his life. Okay, so this does more than poke out. This oh, is yeah. so deeply ingrained in his thought patterns that that scripture from across the entire Bible gets washed through his thinking mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. forms poetry, singable metric hymnal poetry yes it yes. always has astonished me there are some artists today who have that same gift right uh, and i'm always amazed at the power of the words that they write yeah and in a, in an illiterate culture it was very handy for in terms of people understanding truth right, to teach about theology Jesus and uh, mm-hmm. yeah to teach theology to grasp it and also to carry it around very portably so it's a, it's a great way to to do just that and that's and what this we is done. can do that too that's right <laughs> especially that's, if you i encourage you if you've never yeah. memorized the words to this song or you've never sung more than the first verse well you need to yeah that's because true the theology gets deeper and more profound as the verses progress yeah yeah so let's dive into it okay. what do you say we've got three verses okay and the, the original was three verses <laughs> and it was the the opening couple lines were slightly changed over a couple of decades uh, partially because one word went out of use welkin welkin yeah he originally wrote hark how all the welkin rings and nobody knows what welkin is that what? means actually the heavenly host yeah it's an archaic yeah. word for the expanse of the heavens where the stars are yeah yeah so by the time you get after our revolution that had changed and finally got stuck in place with the words we've got today so shall we just read them? Yep, let's read them a verse at a time. Verse, okay, verse one, go for it. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Yes. Now, when I was a kid, I used to think it was herald angels, right? Yes. Like it was like one word, hark, the herald angels sing. And I thought, what is a herald angel? <laughs> <laughs> but it's a herald, an angel who is a messenger, who is messenger. a herald, an announcer. The early like, messenger. Like blowing a trumpet. The herald. Hark, yes. hark, pay attention. Yes, right? yes, yes. The first, the first messengers are the herald messengers. I always thought it was heralds. Messengers like the name Harold, and I always wondered who's this guy Harold, and who are his angels. And I don't know of a angel named Harold. I know a Michael and a Gabriel, but I don't know a Harold. Yeah, well, yeah, anyway. Well, these, the, 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 I mean, the whole account from Luke two about the angels coming, bursting upon that quiet yeah, scene with the yeah. shepherds is um, is amazing. Yeah, to and, read. And this first verse of uh, of Wesley Sam is largely just, just is that. all Luke two. Mm-hmm. It's Luke yep. two. And uh, about that entire scene, about the angels coming and saying what they say, uh, glory. And they don't actually say glory to the newborn king. They don't, but they but do say that today, I have good news, today is born for you right. a, a king. 
right? right. Uh, for you, humble shepherds, for right. you, nobody's out here in the dark. Well, and they and they say, you know, it, it is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior. Well, right. that, that kind of brings the kingliness to it because we right. knew that a king would come through David's line and that's exactly what happens here. Yeah. And uh, and what do you make? I think something that's really grossly misunderstood. His line, he says, peace on peace earth and mercy and mild. Yes. So what is what is that promise of peace anyway? Is it uh, well? What kind of peace are we talking about? Because yeah. at Christmas everybody likes to talk about, oh, let's have peace, peace let's on be earth. peaceful. Peace on Christmas earth. is the yeah. promise of peace. Well, Christmas is the promise of peace with God, right? Reconciled right, right, right. with God, which only happened through the person of His Son become right. human. So you know, Jesus Himself said in Matthew ten thirty four, "I didn't come to bring peace; I came to bring a sword." Yeah. Right, right, that the whole world will divide over this yeah. one. Jesus himself will be divisive, depending on how who you think he is. Right, so that the yeah. peace that God is bringing to earth at the birth of our Savior is is the mm-hmm. way into peace with God. Right, exactly. And many times when you see peace here, it strongly implies a cessation of warfare. <laughs> Not just kind of zoned out, but a cessation of warfare. And there was actually, uh, before you come to the Lord, there is there is a war between you and God, it turns out. And so when this peace happens, it's kind of a cessation of the division between you and God that, and, that, and, a, and a narrowing of the distance between the two of you because of this opponent nature you had with God. So you're going to read something. Yeah, I like... have Colossians 1, 19 and 20 in front of me. And it's at the end of this oh, yeah. incredible description yeah. of the deity of Christ. Verse 19 says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. Right there we have mm-hmm, the pleasure mm-hmm. of God dwelling completely in the Son and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. So the only way we have access to peace with God is through that sacrificial death right, of right, the right. Son of God. Right. And so if you if you realize that this is something that Christ buys with his blood for us, something that God accomplishes, and something that draws us near to God, then when you read the actual words of what the angels said, and I've got them in front of me, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Uh, it, it goes against some of the more cultural interpretations of the peace on earth kind of thing. If you just listen to it closely, this is from Luke 2.14. So glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased ah. oh, that's a wholly different it's a different idea, idea than just than peace on earth yeah. peace on earth or god is blessing you because he's happy with you right right exactly right? Yeah. well we know that faith is what pleases god yes yes so god's favor is being poured out on those who believe in yeah. the promise yeah, and the, and the result is a relationship with God. That's why right. I love when, when Wesley writes this, Peace on Earth and Mercy Mind, he explains it in the next right. breath. God and sinners reconciled. reconciled. That's the, yeah. where the peace comes from. Yeah, yeah, that's the peace. So he that's a nice definition. I like how he adds that on to that. And, and it's all also not just intended for the nation of Israel, for the Hebrews, it's intended for everyone. So Wesley adds, you know, all ye nations rise, all, all the nations. nations. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's also in what, what, they, what the angels had said. So clearly this is a promise that goes to all mankind, but it's a promise of peace that is, that is founded and centered on a restored and redeemed relationship with God. 
that that's is only made about. possible through the sacrifice of his son. Exactly. And so that's why that's why the angels are so excited at the birth <laughs> of this one, because this one, Jesus, is the one that makes this all possible. Right. This is the pivot point of all history. Right, right, yeah. So, so born in the city of David, a savior, a savior who is the Messiah, the promised one, the one who would rule, the one who would bring together mankind in relationship with God. So glory so to hark, the newborn king. Listen hark. up. And listen up. This is a big, big deal. Glory to this newborn yeah. king. Yeah. Oh, we need the next verse. Next verse. Okay. Verse two. I love this verse. Should I read this one? Sure. Go we'll ahead. alternate. Then I'll let you read the last one, which is awesome. Yeah. Well, this is pretty good too. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb veiled in flesh the godhead see hail the incarnate deity pleased as man with men to dwell jesus our emmanuel hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king looks like the incarnation to me oh my soul this when i come to sing this verse it stops me in my tracks yeah, it's, every single time yeah. this distillation of of god becoming humanity in mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. in this beautiful poetic form uh, the line that always stops me is veiled in flesh veiled in flesh godhead see yeah. hail the incarnate deity veiled in flesh i have thought a lot about that veil a lot this is not just weird language the idea of the veil in scriptures is actually uh, a really significant one. We know that the purpose of the veil in the temple was to mm-hmm. separate the Holy of Holies from yeah. the holy place. But a veil can conceal something, but it also can reveal something. Yes, yes. And so our... And it also defines a passage. I, I, okay. So, yeah, yeah you're going, moving from one place into right. another. If you think about a veil revealing something, think about... Um, how the filter in your sunglasses works. Mm-hmm. It cuts down the glare so you can see what's really there. Yes. Well, that's exactly what happened when the Son of God became human flesh. He laid aside his glory mm-hmm. to make the invisible God visible. And that's right. what John says in the beginning of John 1. Right. The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt yeah, among us. And dwelt among and us. We beheld his glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Yeah. And then he goes on to say in verse 16 or 17 and 18, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized, brought into reality mm-hmm. by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who's in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Yes, yes. He has made God knowable. So that's why that's why Wesley's line is so good. Veiled in flesh the, the Godhead God see. It enables us to see who God is. And if you remember at the Last Supper in that upper room conversation that Jesus had the last night in his flesh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they asked him, well, Lord, just you know, show us the Father. And he said, don't you get it? If you've seen me, you've seen, you've seen, the, seen Father. the Father. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It occurs to me too, and I didn't look it up, shame on me, in Hebrews, it talks about the veil. <laughs> I have Did you it. look it up? <laughs> and, uh, yes. It's it's astonishing. It's Hebrews 10, 19 and 20. Yeah, you got to listen to this slowly. Oh, this is interesting. Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, through the veil. that is 
his flesh. Mm-hmm. Let us draw near with sincere hearts. I won't read the rest of the no. of the passage. No. But that idea that his flesh was the veil that was torn in order exactly. to open the way for us to come into the holy presence of God. Right. That right. fulfills our understanding of the veil mm-hmm. in Scripture from Exodus, which we're talking about now, right. uh, all the way back to Hebrews when we were talking about that a few weeks ago. Yeah, defines the passageway into the presence of God. Right. And that's done through his flesh, through his death. Yeah, that's it's a veiled in flesh the, the Godhead, Godhead seal. seal. You want to see God? Wow. Look at Jesus. Yeah, hail the incarnate deity. And incarnate in, in its, you know, etymology just means flesh. Right, made of flesh. Right, right. So, but another one, another part I liked about it's just before this late in time, behold right, him come. Right, we skipped over that. And uh, no, no, that's okay. We're kind of jumping. I was so anxious to get to the veil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, late in time. Late in time. What is he late or is he on time? He's actually on time. But it, it made me go back as we were looking at Hebrews and the opening of Hebrews is opening chapter one. He says, you know, you know, God has spoken to us through the prophets, but in these last days. Oh, uh- he has spoken mm-hmm. to us in his son. So, uh, so yeah, it is the last days. When the Messiah comes in the flesh, that's the beginning of the last days. And we are still in those last days. But they were they were started in the coming of Jesus, right. the birth of Jesus. Right. Yeah, this is the beginning of the end. Yeah, is now is the is. day of salvation. Exactly. The time is late. Yeah, yeah. And so that's it. And when he says late in time and offspring of the virgin's womb, well, that's from a very famous prophecy. Uh, so it's it was prophesied, and it's going to happen at a particular date on the calendar, and it did, and it's during this last time. And that famous passage is Isaiah seven fourteen. Yeah, behold, a virgin will conceive. Virgin will child. conceive and bear a son. Yeah, and it was it was such a big deal that if you recall, uh, Mary and Joseph. Uh, when they're being brought into the story by Gabriel about what's going to happen, Mary gets a, she gets a direct visit with Gabriel and he explains it to her. Joseph never gets a direct visit. And I've always, I've always chuckled about it. Yeah. Like four dreams actually. But in, but in one of those dreams, this passage in Isaiah seven is reiterated again. So that in that, in that dream, he says, this is exactly the fulfillment of Isaiah seven, 14. Now a virgin shall conceive and guess what? Mary is that virgin. So it's uh, so this is a pre-plan on God's part that comes about at exactly the right time at the beginning of the the, the end of times, the last days. So that's what you have. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. Yeah, now that's a fascinating. I mean, that's in the Isaiah 7 thing and that's how that's how Wesley closes off this verse right here, you know. Pleased is man with men to dwell with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, and Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. Do you know that has always been God's intention from the very beginning of Scripture? The very right? beginning. They, he made Adam and Eve to dwell with him in the garden. And when yeah. that fellowship was broken, uh, by the time we come around to Exodus, we're going to get to this in a, in a few weeks, God says, I, I want to dwell with you right in your midst. Yeah. And so even the way the nation of Israel camped in the wilderness was a model of that with the tabernacle right in the middle yep. of the yep. camp. Yep, God wanted to have a, a physical, a physical representation of the fact that His desire right. was be to, was to be amongst His them in the middle of among them, among them. God yeah. with us. Yeah, and even when you see Jesus uh, close to the time He's drawn back up into heaven, you know, He talks about the many, you know, my, that my Father's house there's many places to live, right. you know, because I want you to be with me. 
It's the with idea. So, so the, the whole idea of coming and finding peace with God, which, re, which is the center of that, is our relationship with God. It's the with God part. That's all. It, that the entire Bible is about relationship well, with God. And sometimes we think that we're going to go and be with God when we go to heaven. But you know right. what? We, God took the initiative and he came to be with us first. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. He came, he came and got us. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the third verse. Okay. Oh, I get to read this you one? You get to read this Okay. One. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark! The herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, hey boy. You know, the, the first half of this comes directly out of Malachi 3, Malachi 4. 4, Malachi 4, 2. So, I mean, yeah, I just had my, my page open to the wrong place. Malachi 4, it's so beautiful. That's and what this whole verse is. As sometimes yeah. we see in that second line, hail the son of righteousness, spelled S-O-N. Right. That is an incorrect quotation. It is. It is the son, S-U-N, of righteousness. Let's read Malachi 4. Do you have it in front of you? I, I have it in front of me, okay. in fact. Okay, well, yeah. you can read it then, because yeah. I'm talking a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is God speaking the first person. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings, and you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. I just... I have always liked the less. <laughs> I see these calves jumping around like, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. For you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, S-U-N, the right. son of righteousness shall rise like a sunrise with healing in its wings. Right. And, uh, and Wesley decided to use the play on words, S-O-N, which is fine. It's exactly the same. Well, yes, it means the same thing. But, yeah. but you know, the imagery of the sun rising mm-hmm. is a new day, yes. right? New light. Uh, and even Peter uses in one of his letters the imagery of the morning star arising yes, in our yes. hearts, right? A new day is dawning as we step into the light of relationship with God. Yeah, yeah. So that's really the imagery here. It is so beautiful. Yeah, and that very that very famous proclamation of the father of, of John the Baptist, you know, when he gets his tongue back. <laughs> oh, yeah, Zechariah. <laughs> Zechariah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of turning to it right now. It's at the end of Luke 1. And uh, and this whole this whole imagery of this sunrise, like a new day is yes. dawning, uh, is part of this proclamation that you know he's filled with uh, God's spirit, and this is really God speaking through him. Uh, and uh, why am I having a problem? Oh, there it is in Luke one seventy eight. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from right. on high. It's just and and to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. So that's that that that's it. It's a new day, just like a sunrise is a new day. This is a brand new day for all of humanity with the birth of the Prince of Peace. And risen with healing in his wings. Well, yes. that imagery from Malachi, you know, it's the idea of when the sun peaks over the edge of the horizon yeah. and those rays give the impression of wings. 
Yes. Uh, that's the picture. I mean, it's very visual. It's very visual. But it also implies strongly the fact that the, where the light is landing is on a people that need healing. That need there, healing. There's a deep problem here. Right. And that's, that's also part of what Zacharias says about this tender mercy of God. And that, you know, this light will shine on those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. Well, they do have a problem and they have a need. And the sunrise is the beginning of the fix for that need. Yeah, it's, the imagery is just great. So the the birth of Jesus is like a gigantic sunrise <laughs> with healing <laughs> with healing for mankind that will result in peace through the blood of the Savior and then relationship with God where that's going to be found. Oh, what's oh, the... Oh, golly. There's just too much to talk about in this verse, too. Well, okay, but the next line, mild he lays his glory by, oh, yeah. right? That's a that's a reference to Philippians 2, I think, which says that mm-hmm. you know, even though he was God, he didn't regard being God as something to be grasped, but he right. laid aside... He laid it aside. ...all of his rights and privileges in order to become human. So I'm paraphrasing. Right. But you go and read Philippians 2, starting in about verse 4 four or five and read clear through where it winds up with every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what he laid aside in order to become human. For the purpose of gaining for us, like Wesley says right after that, born that man no more may die. Right. Eternal life for us. And who, who are those born to raise the sons of earth? Born to give them a second birth, right? A, a start over, a new start, a new spiritual birth in that sense. Well, Jesus said, "You must be born again, yeah, or you're not going to see the kingdom." Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Failed to mention too at the beginning of this, "Hail the heavenward Prince of Peace." Another famous yeah. Christmas passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 9, nine. Yeah, nine six. The Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace, the one who makes it happen. Uh, so many comments. Son of righteousness. He's he's the righteous one. Very clearly, there's that's everywhere in scripture. So I won't belate too much of that. <laughs> we are just like running out of time. Yeah, I yeah. just want to encourage you, if you've been listening today, to take a quiet moment sometime and hum your way through this with the words in front of you, and use your own words to respond in worship to God with using this hymn as a model. Yeah, this is such a creative collection of powerful truth on Wesley's part. It's a a great way to meditate on the truth of where we are with God and why Jesus was born. So on this Christmas morning when we're so distracted by when are we going to have breakfast and when are we going to throw open the stuff, (laughs) remember the fact that this is a sunrise from on high that visits us. This is the sunrise with healing in his wings to solve the problem of those who sin in darkness and the shadow of death. That's the best gift to mankind through what Christ did for us. So Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you all. We hope to see you next week as we come back to Exodus and join the story again of the great rescue of the Hebrews, not unlike the great rescue of us through the birth of the Son. So I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. Join us next week on More Than Inc. Than Inc. is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. <laughs> well, I'm here we sure go. I'm not sure I like that anyway, but. <clears throat> what? I think we sang too much. Mm-hmm.